JoeVertigan.com, this on-the-record segment brought to you by Munster's Service Center of Green Bay. And we are with probably one of the one of the winningest guys at Norway Speedway. The, one of the few exceptions is his dad, uh, a legend, Bob Iverson. I'm talking to Jamie Iverson. And uh, Jamie has, I believe, is it five state line challenge wins, right? Yep. And... Um, there's so much history with the racing family. His son Robbie races on occasion uh, on Friday nights and elsewhere. Jamie, talk about the very beginning as a kid. Um, what do you remember about the modified days with your dad, Bob, and, and your uncle, Herb? Uh, uh, take us from the very beginning as a kid when you started getting involved uh, with his racing operation. Well, I always hung around and uh, I'd run back and forth. Herb always had his car at my grandpa's house which was just a block away, so I could ride my pedal bike around. And sure. I'd go down there and I'd harass him and his crew and tell them they're going to lose and stuff like that, and they'd chase me around, and then I'd <laughs> go back home. <laughs> but but Herb, uh, Herb and Bob were actually in the mod days. Were, they were they were competitors with each other, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got into pretty fierce feud and didn't talk to each other for quite a few years. But wow, good friends at the end. and. Right. So back in the day, essentially, um, Norway was dirt. Uh, you know, Escanaba uh, was dirt, but then it was paved for a time. Uh, the Iverson family had a really good rivalry with another racing family. And, and, and tell us some stories with that. Something about uh, the, the, the color yellow mustard that they didn't like. Oh. We're talking about the Ritchie family, right? The Ritchie family, yeah. Funny thing is, like, it wasn't really a feud. My dad and them were fans. It was the friends. fans that had the feud, though, right? Fans had the feud. They were, you know, good friends and stuff away from the track and stuff. But it, I guess that's what makes uh, people come to the track. you got to have a feud, you know. Right. <laughs> Somewhere, a good guy, bad guy, however it is. Then Back then, it was just Chevy and Fords. But Right. So when the modified era kind of died off in Michigan's UP, you know, in, in the, the mid-'70s, what do you remember about that time period, if anything, as a kid? Uh, I know I've talked to Herb before, and even Bob, uh, years ago, and they started to become costly, and there just weren't as many teams in the UP running them. What do you recall about that time period? Well, it's kind of sad because I like actually going down and watching the half-mile dirt tracks and stuff down there. And uh, so a lot of them, when they started at Norway and they got the blacktop track, a lot of them were just running cars on blacktop because that's what what everybody had right but then you know eventually like everything everybody ends up with blacktop cars and you know just evolve from there so the first time i saw bob iverson race and herb for that matter uh, i saw herb in a match race with willie gaden and his his wing mod in like 75 at seymour but you guys started coming down and running De Pere and, you know, Sean and Seymour. I remember Herb when he got that Boyce track burner chassis, and then I remember seeing Bob uh, race at De Pere. What was that like for you guys to come down and race at De Pere against guys like J.J. Smith and Roger Regith? Um, were you guys well, uh, you know, uh, how did the other drivers take the guys from the UP coming down and racing with them? Were they pretty decent? Um, yeah, it was a pretty funny story. Uh, Paul Smith out of Marquette had a Ford Mustang sponsored by Strolls and all this and I remember that and, car and he's like 
he called my dad up and he's like, well, do you want to run my car and stuff down at De Pere tonight? And my dad's like, well, I'll go check it out, you know? Yeah. So I remember we went down and we met him at Cheeky's Pizza in Escanaba. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I looked it over my dad's like, all right, yeah, I'll go try her. And we went down there. I remember he, it was his first time there and stuff, but he won, he won the semi-feature and he beat Dick Trickle. That's Dick huge. <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, if people forget that, you know, Dick Trickle, he could run the dirt tracks too. I remember a couple of times um, uh, he would run the Sunday afternoon uh, red, white, and blue race at WIR. And on more than one occasion, he would end up on that Sunday night, uh, I remember with that Ford Mustang, uh, running the half mile dirt at Seymour. So that was not uncommon yeah. back then, was it? He probably did it that day too, I'm sure. Sure. Wow. Um, so when 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 Bob kind of when Norway was paved, you know, 1980 season, did you see? That's kind of when things changed. I mean, it was you know full blown asphalt. That's when your dad committed to the asphalt, and in the 80s, he sure piled up the wins. Uh, what do you think made your dad such a successful driver? Um, probably just keeping up on technology, and. And back then, he had a real good relationship with Mike Randerson, who I think built his cars at one point, correct? Right, yep. Mike Randerson and uh, Prototype Engineering built his motors, which were probably top-line motors at the time. Right. And back then, you know, when the State Line Challenge started in 1981, Dick Trickle won the first one, you started to see more, you know, WIR, Kakana guys come up and race. Who were some of the, the first... Wisconsin guys, other than like Bob Menner, that would come up and kind of pop in from time to time. Any names that stand out, you know, in the in the mid '80s? Well, Scott Hansen would come up here all the time. He was tough, and then you know Kevin Swinski. Um, yep. I learned I learned a lot from Kevin. You know, I mean, I was young at the time when he'd come up there just starting. And, sure. You know, I'd like to say I learned a lot from him, you know, I was sure. always gung-ho and he was always kind of patient, you know, and he'd always yeah. outsmart me or something like that, you know, and it's right. like, kind of taught me, you know, that it ain't always just being aggressive is you have to be smart also at, and, you know, and patient. Especially at a track like Norway, right? <laughs> exactly. So talk about your own racing career. Uh, you didn't start out in late models, but in fact, it was uh, in what they call it a hobby stock or super stock class. It was street stocks. Oh, street stocks. That's right. and it was for was it for Ray Gardner? Ray Gardner. Yep. And a Seventy Chevelle. A beautiful looking race car too, by the way. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that, and um, just, you know, when we started going around, we went down Lower Michigan and raced it, and we'd go race at the Dells, and you know, we learned things from that. Right. Our first year, and then you know, we just like anything, the more you do it, and the more places you go, the more things you learn from sure. talking to people and being friends with people. And, right. You know, the second year out, I think we won just about every feature we ran with it. So did you, when, when you got the late model ride, or did you think there was big shoes for you to fill at that time? Because, I mean, your dad's a legend, obviously, and but you made a pretty good mark yourself. I mean, uh, dri driving styles, yourself versus your dad. Um, I remember Fuzzy telling me when we did the 906 book interviews, that Bob was very hard on the brakes and equipment and hard on tires, where you were a very more of a conservative driver. You were smart with your tires and equipment. Talk about the different driving styles between you and your father. <clears throat> well, actually, talked to Gene Coleman, and he kind of said it the best. I thought that he's like, I learned to drive a street stop, right, at Norway, which is probably the, you know why I 
and you had to be smooth and non eight inch tires and right. where my dad was more of a dirt guy, you know, drive it in hard kind right. of guy and so it was just two different styles there. Right. But you have actually, uh, you've gotten out of Norway. I, I remember uh, we both chased, me as an announcer, you as a racer, uh, the old ASA Midwest Tour in 07. We went to places like Hawkeye Downs, uh, Grundy, you know, um, Marshfield. Talk about some of the other tracks outside of Norway, Michigan that you've loved running at over the years. WIR, of course, too. WIR was fun. We ran there weekly for um, Four years probably, I think. Sure. We ran Matt Maynard's car a couple of years down there. And then uh, I liked them all. I, I remember G- Lake Geneva was always a fun track. I wish that one was still around. Sure. Fun going down there. Um, lacrosse is fun. Uh, I think Jefferson, we did good there. Elko was always my, one of my favorites. Sure. Um, you ever run the Milwaukee Mile? Milwaukee Mile was fun. It was uh Scott Hansen always said that's like a true skid pad. I mean, it's very yeah. flat, even in the corners. Yeah, I, the one time I think ASA went there and I re- really didn't do very good, so <clears> that kind of put me down. But the first time I, I was there, Midwest All Stars, I think. Oh, the Mars series, the Mars yes. Series, we were there with the trucks and uh, yeah, and I was running pretty good, like sixth or something, and blew a right front with like five laps to go on. Right. <laughs> Head on into the wall. So, yeah, looking so back, it isn't my favorite track, <coughs> right? But looking back in your career, I mean, like I said, you've won, you won five state line challenges, and back then when you won them, I think the fields are pretty stacked back then. Would that be fair to say? Oh yeah. Who are yeah. some of the drivers that stand out that you've beaten? I, I know a couple of them were during the ASA Midwest Tour days. Like right. you know, you had Nathan Hasselai and a lot of those guys. Right. Yeah. Probably more so in the ASA. You know, run with them guys because you know they were probably the best in the country. And right, like I say, that one with Danny Fredrickson, you know, where I passed him with 10, 12 laps to go or something, you know, and he was like voted the best short track racer in the country that year. And right, able to pass him on the outside with 10 to go was uh, pretty phenomenal. Team. Yeah. Talk about uh, the balance with work and racing. Um, uh, your successful logging business. How's that balance always played out? I mean, uh, you know, you work for yourself, but you also work for yourself. So work always kind of has to come before the racing, right? Yeah, uh, it just means a lot, of, a lot of lost sleep. Back when I was and I was, like Kukana and Norway, <coughs> back-to-back nights and stuff, I could count, I'd get... 24 hours of sleep a week. So for our listeners, the reason we're bringing that up uh, they live in Escanaba, Michigan, which is the eastern uh, time zone, correct? correct? So they're they're an hour ahead most of the time. I can't even imagine how you pulled that off. Well, it was always worked out great getting there because we gained an hour. Right. But we always got home an hour later, yeah. two hours later. Man, so, that, yeah. that's crazy. Any inkling to ever hop behind the wheel again or not so much? I do, I do. Yeah. You still race the dirt car once in a while at Escanaba, right? Right. The yeah. mod, yep. Have fun doing that. So sure, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Never know. Jamie Iverson, a true racing legend in uh, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Thanks for the time, and we'll see you at a track in 2023.